morning, I'd like to ask you once again to take your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. We'll start in that passage in Acts chapter number 1, and we will, we will look at just a few verses this morning. I do remind you, this is our mission conference, and so with the Lord's help, I'd like to speak on that theme about world evangelism. We, we say that word very often, missions, world missions, God's mission. But what is it that we mean by that? We simply mean world evangelism. The task of reaching the lost in this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, that ought to be the heartbeat of every Christian. And that was the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. The, the really, we, we often talk of missions quotes, and in that little bulletin you'll find some different missions quotes on the bottom there. I'll, I'll share with you the greatest mission quote of all time. Uh, one man said this, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know who said that? Jesus Christ. That's the greatest missions quote of all time. Jesus Christ came on a mission. He came with a task. He came with a purpose. And it was to seek the lost and to save their souls. And the good news is, is that Jesus being the perfect Son of God does not fail. And so He will be successful. He is successful. He is victorious in His mission. And so I'm very thankful for that. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I wonder this morning, has He saved your soul? Do you call Him your Lord? Do you call Him your Savior? Is He your friend? If He isn't, I encourage you to know Him today. Seek His face while He may be found. He's seeking you. Now it's time for you to seek Him. And so, Acts chapter 1. Very thankful for the opportunity to share the Word of God and I want to take you, I don't have a complex sermon, I don't have a unique message this morning, something that is very familiar, and if you've been around church for any time, it, this is going to be a message that you've probably heard before, but I don't want you to tune to tune off. Sometimes we do that, we say, well, I've, I've been to this passage a million times before, and so I'm going to, to sleep this one out. And, and you might not close your eyes, but you can close your ears and, and drift off to thinking about lunch and what you're going to do this afternoon. I, I want to I compel you to pay attention to the Word of God. And uh, some of these passages we read time and time again, but may they be as, as quick and empowering as ever. And so Acts chapter 1, one verse in this chapter I want you to notice, and it's verse number 8. Verse number 8. We call this passage uh, a part of the Great Commission. God's great command to the church before He left the earth. Now you know that Jesus Christ has died, He was buried, He's risen again. Now He spends 40 days with the disciples, with the apostles, and, and others that are there, no doubt. Uh, 120, the Scriptures tell us at one point here in Acts. And, and they, are, they are following, and the Lord is, is speaking to them. But now He's about to ascend up into heaven, ascend to His Father, and He's going to give us one last big command, and it is this. Acts chapter 1 Verse 8, notice what it says, But ye, but you, shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you, ye, shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now that is a verse right there that tells us exactly as the New Testament church, as, a, as a, a local body of believers who have assembled together, that tells us our mission statement, if you will. 
Our purpose and our goal ultimately, no doubt, is the glory of God. But how do we do that? By going out to the nations and making disciples, right? By reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says this both in Jerusalem, in your local area, in all Judea, in the, in the county, in your surrounding area, and in Samaria, in the next village over, or the next uh, country over, you could say, in a, in a sense, reaching those who are beyond you. And then he says this, and going to the uttermost part of the earth going to the highways and the hedges and compelling people to coming in, going to the ends of the earth. And this is, this is when I think of missions, this is what I think about. The first thing that pops into my mind, and, and maybe the same is true to you, is that idea of going to the uttermost. Going somewhere where no one has been before. Now obviously there must have been people there before because those are the ones you're going with the gospel to. But where, where maybe the gospel of Jesus Christ has never been preached before. And we get that in our mind. We think of people, uh, one of the first people that comes to my mind when somebody says world missions is Hudson Taylor. How many of you have ever heard of Hudson Taylor before? Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to, to the inlands of China, right? In his day, he, he noticed that the coast of China was being reached, but nobody was going into the, the inlands, into the jungles, into the, the depths of China with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Hudson Taylor said, I'm going to go. And he started a, a, a great mission called the China Inland Mission, where, where hundreds of missionaries went and, and reached people in China with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you think of somebody like William Carey who, who, who boarded onto a ship and he traveled down with Andrew Fuller, no doubt, holding the ropes. He traveled down uh, around the edge of, of Africa and he went to a place called India and uh, he labored there, a place where, where the people were, were totally different, not, not, not in our generation, uh, with globalization and things like that. There's, there, the world is much more at our fingertips than ever before, but in, in William Carey's day, there, his, his whole diet would have changed, the way he acted, the way he dressed, where he got clothes. Everything about him would have changed. He, he was willing to leave it all behind to go to the uttermost, right? Seven years William Carey labored before he saw a convert baptized. Think of that. Seven years laboring with no fruit, with very little evidence of what the Lord was doing, but the Lord was at work. The Lord was no doubt doing something. Maybe think of Adoniram Judson who went to, to Burma. And in the early days, as he was serving there in Burma, trying to reach the, uh, the, the people there, they call it Myanmar, trying to reach the people with the gospel, he ended up getting imprisoned. They ended up taking and, and, and persecuting him in a great way. His, his wife and his, his newborn child uh, died within the first few years that he was there. And uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't really understand, but the Lord used him. And even today, if you meet Burmese Christians, you'll find that many of them know their roots, their Christian roots, and how the gospel came to their country. And they'll trace it back right to a man by the name of Adoniram Judson. That's what I think about when I think about missions. Maybe that's what comes to your mind. But before the uttermost parts of the earth, now turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter number 24. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start our reading there in, in verse number 47. Luke chapter 24, verse number 47. Let's start in verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name, here it is, among all nations, right? 
There's that world evangelism. That's that global mission of God. But I want you to notice the next three words. And with the help of God this morning, this is what we'll, we'll talk about. That His name should be preached in all nations. Notice this. Beginning in Jerusalem. Beginning in Jerusalem. Now, we're having a mission conference this week. We have, we have flags from all over the world and, and foreign locations. I, if I'm honest with you, I don't know where most, of the, well, maybe most of them, but there are a few of the flags that I have no clue where they represent. They're, we live in a vast world, hundreds of countries, people of all different tongues and tribes, people of different cultures, different dress styles, different skin colors, different hairstyles, all sorts of things. We live in a vast world. And we think about the uttermost. We think about going to, to the ends of the earth. But as we look at this passage, the Bible tells us a truth that is very real and needs to be true in all of our hearts. It says this, that you are to preach in His name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. We could say starting at Jerusalem. Now, what's the significance of Jerusalem? When we think about this passage of Scripture, what is the significance of a place like this to these people? How does this apply to us? Sometimes we read the Scriptures and we're like, okay, good. The apostles, the disciples, they're in Jerusalem. Good deal. But how does that apply to us? We're in the 21st century. We're in Oxford, England. How does that speak to me? What was Jerusalem for them? What was the significance of Jerusalem? Notice, first of all, that Jerusalem was not a foreign location. We often think of world missions and we think of the foreign fields. We think of the craziest place we can, we can think of. We think of David Livingston trekking through waist deep water trying to reach people in Africa. That's what comes to our mind. But can I tell you that Jerusalem for the, the disciples, for the early apostles, that early New Testament church, was not a foreign location. Now, no, no doubt, many of them came from, from neighboring cities, some of them from Capernaum, some of them from, from Galilee, from different areas, from Samaria, wherever they might have come from, and they were in Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was not a foreign location. It was a place that they were very used to. In fact, uh, they had just been in Jerusalem when they watched their Savior die. Luke 24 verse 33 says they, they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They had spent a lot of time in Jerusalem. In fact, in, in the Jewish religion, it would have been a regular thing for these people to return to Jerusalem once a year to, to, to be there for the Passover. And so they had no doubt that they, they, they could have gone and they could have told you in that area where, where the good place was to get a good fish and chips. They could have told you uh, where, where the best place was to, to buy things. They, they were familiar with the area. They knew it. It was home to them. They had probably, no doubt, other loved ones, other people that they loved. It was home for them. It was a workplace. They had family and friends there. It was not a foreign location. Often we think of missions and we think of the, the farthest away place that we can go. But Jerusalem was not that to the disciples. Secondly, notice this. Not only was it not a foreign location, it was not a friendly location. It was not a place where everybody wanted to be their pal. If you'll remember just a, a, a few weeks ago, they had watched their Lord and Savior, their leader. They were going to be called Christians. They were followers of Christ. They had watched their leader bleed and die on a cross. 
He was whipped. He was spat. A crown of thorns was thrust upon him. Can I tell you, it was not a safe location for followers of Jesus. It was a place where persecution was, was rampant. Luke 23.33 says that it is there, the place was called Calvary, where they crucified Christ. The Pharisees were in that, in that city, and, and you could say in a sense it was the hornet's nest. It was where there was a great uh, a group of people who were seeking to persecute Christians. If you don't believe me, read into Acts. Read into Acts chapter number 6 and hear about the murmuring. Read in uh, Acts chapter 7 how they stoned Stephen. Read in Acts chapter 8 how the persecution was so hot that the early church was scattered abroad. It was not a friendly place to be. Sometimes we think, well, you know, we go out into the streets and, and somebody, somebody swears at us or something. Can I tell you the persecution in Jerusalem was much hotter than what we face. It was not a friendly location. Jerusalem was not an easy place to be. Thirdly, I want you to notice this, that Jerusalem was not their final location. It was only the beginning for them. It was where they were starting. It says it very clearly there, beginning at Jerusalem. Can I tell you that God had so much more for these disciples? And, and, and you read through the Acts of the Apostles and you read about how the Holy Ghost was leading them to all different parts and different areas with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It was only a starting place. And I believe this morning that as, a, as we look at our, our own church, we look at our own body of believers, I believe there's much more for us. Now, I, I know I know that none of us are perfect. I know that, that we all mess up. But can I tell you, God wants more for us. This isn't the perfect church. We don't have a fancy building. We don't have all the structures in order. We don't have everything, just all of our T's and all of our uh, I's taken care of as they ought to be. But can I tell you, there is more for us and God wants to use us. I believe that. Do you believe that this morning? As a church, do you believe that God wants to do something with us? This is only the beginning. I wonder, have you begun? Have you started? I wonder, what are you doing? I think it begs the question though, you say, well, we're beginning in Jerusalem, but what are we beginning? What is our task? What are we to do? Notice what it says there. That repentance of remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. You, you know what they were to start doing? It says it there that they should preach His name among all nations. Why? Because they had witnessed what God is doing. They'd seen it. They'd, they'd set their eyes upon Jesus Christ on the cross, no doubt. They'd seen Jesus Christ taken off the cross and buried. They'd seen that He was in the cross for three days. They went to the tomb. They saw it empty. They saw Jesus Christ in their presence. They put their fingers into the nail prints of their hands and the, into the side. They had the opportunity at least. They sat and had a meal with Jesus Christ. They had witnessed it. And I want to tell you this morning, if you are here today and you are a blood-bought child of God, then you are a witness. Notice what it says. It does not say that you do witness. It does not say that you should go witnessing. It does not say that you should witness. It says that you are a witness. 
One of the, one of the greatest problems in, in our hearts and minds is that we think, well, I'm going to go witnessing now, and, and because we're doing it this afternoon from 2 to 4 in the open air, maybe I could go, go witness or I could do some witnessing. Can I tell you, you ought to be a witness. If you have seen, if you have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, if you have experienced it in your own heart and life, then it ought to consume you. It ought to be something that, that you, you, you can't go to the, to the shop without it rolling off your tongue. Speaking about Jesus. I'm thankful that there are many in this church who are that way. That, that are, are just so consumed with the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God has done in their lives that they can't but go and just speak constantly. We think, Pastor, we had a, a man up here just the other night, uh, Andrew, who was sharing about how, how he witnesses everywhere and in, in the, in the train and at the shop and at the, at the petrol garage. And he's constantly sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is a witness. And you, if you are a Christian, you are a witness. If you are not a witness, then, then that means you haven't seen what Christ can do in your life. You haven't experienced it. Which, which would, 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 would leave me to think that you are lost. And if you are lost, can I tell you something? You can witness it. You can know the Savior of the world. You can know His life-giving power. You can know what it is like to be washed by the water of the Word. You can know what it is like to pass from death unto life. You can know what it is like to be changed. Would you witness Christ today? Would you seek His face? This is really the who. You are a witness. The, the, the message, the, the great commission is for us, for the New Testament church, for you and for me. You are a witness. You've experienced His grace, His mercy, His love, His patience. You know that He is your rock and your fortress, your deliverer. Then you are a witness. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it today. If you don't know, you say, well, well, we're in the church. Everybody knows about it. Well, we're going into the open air at 2 o'clock. Get on the bus and go tell somebody about what Christ has done for you. Talk to Sam. He'll, he'll load you on the bus and take you out there. Hand a leaflet to somebody and just tell somebody that Jesus loves them. And you know it because He's changed your life. You are a witness. Beginning at Jerusalem. We can start right here. Now what, what are we to witness? Verse number 46 says it. Thus, and he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3 and verse number 4 says, For I deliver unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What are we to witness? What are we to share? We're to share about the work of Jesus Christ. What Christ has done for you. What Christ has done for me. What Christ has done for the uttermost parts of the earth. That's our job. It's not a, it's not a complex message. It's not uh, something that you need to be eloquent with. In fact, it seems to be that, that people are very much more interested in those who are just average Joes, if you will. Those who, who, who don't feel eloquent, who don't feel gifted, can I tell you, God wants to use you. Our brother told a, a, a message last night about a, a blind lady sitting on a park bench and how people would sit down next to her and she'd hand him a gospel leaflet and say, I'm blind, could you read this to me? 
And the people would read it to her. You know, the, the Lord used her infirmity, her, her, her ailment, her inability to see, to be a witness. Can I tell you, I think that each and every one of you have some kind of gift like that. And maybe to you it feels like a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet you, but God wants to use you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that, that God has a purpose and a mission and a goal and a, a, a plan for this world? Then get in on it. Some, sometimes we get, we get so consumed with our, with our theology and with thinking this about that preacher and this about that preacher. And it's, let's, what about witnessing and just sharing the Word of God ourselves? Let's get out there. Let's get out there with the gospel. What are we to witness? Repentance and remission of sins. Repentance, that's reversal, that's changing of one's mind, that's turning to God. In Mark chapter 1, John the Baptist did this. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance. People, you must turn from your sin and turn to God. You must take a a change in your life. Jesus Christ took the same message in Matthew 4. Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the message of Christianity. Turn from the world and turn to God. And remission, freedom, pardon, deliverance, liberty, forgiveness. Can I tell you, if you repent, there is liberty to be had in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sins to be had in the Savior of the world. I wonder, do you know that forgiveness today? Has it changed you? Have, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans 10, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 16, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John chapter 6, For him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Jeremiah 31, For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Christ forgives sins. That's remission. Have you been forgiven? Then tell somebody else. Tell somebody else. How selfish of us to take the one message that can then purge the world of sin and keep it to ourselves. And I'm ashamed to say I'm no different. I'm I'm not out there sharing it with everybody I meet. But this is what we ought to do. This is what the Word of God commands us to do. This is what Jesus Christ commands us to do. Ye are witnesses. That's the who. The what. You are to witness repentance and remissions. Where? Where are we to witness? And he preached that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached among, in his name among all nations. Where? Can I tell you? You cannot give the gospel to the wrong person. Everywhere. To the, to, to the ends of the earth. To the uttermost parts of the earth and, 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 uh, Acts 1. Revelation says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God, brought us back to God, brought us to Him by Thy blood. Where? Where, where, where do these people who were redeemed, where do these people who have been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ come from? Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. There's coming a day when we will stand at the throne of Jesus and there will be people from every part of the world worshiping God, praising His name, 
And that's because how shall they hear? How, the, how shall the people of all those nations hear? Preacher. How shall they hear without a preacher? God is sending us. Now you might not stand up here on a pulpit and preach, but there is somebody who lives next to you whose door you can knock on and share the love of Jesus with. There's someone in the streets who is sitting down today at a, at, a, at a seat and you can sit next to them on a bench and share the gospel to them. There's somebody, maybe on the, the edge of this earth somewhere, and God is prompting you to go and preach the gospel to the uttermost. Where? Anywhere. You're not going to find the wrong person to preach the gospel to. Now, they, they, might, not, they might not believe it. You read the book of Acts and you'll find time and time again, people heard, people rejected, people believed, people said, we'll hear you again. People's response was different. But our responsibility is the same. To preach. To share it wherever we go. God clearly desires people from all across the world to know Him. doesn't matter where you're from or who your family is or how much wealth you have or what color your eyes are or what you look like. Do you know Christ? Then share Him. And it starts right here, beginning in Jerusalem. Let me say this way. Beginning in Oxford. Beginning in Swindon. Beginning in High Wycombe. Beginning wherever you come from. In, 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 in your neighborhood. That's where it starts. That's the who, what, the when, the where. Here's the question, but how? How do we do this? You say, I, I, I'm not a very good speaker and I, I don't want to talk to people and I, maybe, maybe I have some sort of thing that hinders me. Listen, listen, listen. Verse number 49 of, of, of Luke 24. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you and tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until what? Until ye be endued with power from on high. How do you do it? How do we do it? Through the power of God. Not, not with our own hands, not with our own intellect, not with our own abilities, but with the power of God. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. Real power. Real power. Power from on high. The Creator of power. The creator of, of the, of, of combustion, the, the one who, who allows fire to exist, the one who allows the earth to exist, the one who allows the seed to be put into the ground and it to grow, the one who gives you a heartbeat and breath in your lungs, yeah. the one who powers our world says he's going to give you power to preach the gospel. I wonder, do you have that power today? It, it comes from him. Power from on high. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, when the Spirit of God is working in and through you, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not from in our, within ourselves. It's not something we work up. It is not something that, that we can just spark in ourselves. It is something that comes from on high. Oh, Oh, that the Lord would touch us today with that power. That we would be indwelt. That we would be regenerated, but that He would also empower and fill us for His namesake. I wonder, will you begin today? Will you start witnessing? And if you are already witnessing, many of you are, would you continue right here where we are in Jerusalem? And would we go to the uttermost? Wherever the Lord calls us, wherever He pleads for us, wherever He leads us, 
will we go with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this last commission, this last command that Thou hast given us. That we would be witnesses. That we would share the love of Jesus Christ right where we are, right where Thou hast put us, right where Thou hast placed us. We know that Thou hast given us the bounds of our habitation. We know that we are where Thou hast designed and and sovereignly provided for us to be, Lord. But use us for Thy glory. Make us witnesses. I pray for the one that is here today that is not saved, that does not know Thee as Thy Savior. Lord, would Thou please save them today. We pray these things in the name of Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.